the word with you. If not, that's okay. Um, Lauren is going to have it on the screen for you this morning. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible out of the book of Numbers, chapter 13, and a few verses out of chapter 14. And while you're turning there, if you do have your Bibles, this Friday night, I don't think it made the announcement video, for all of our middle school ministry students and high school ministry, sorry, Saturday night, uh, all of our middle school ministry students and high school ministry students will have a movie night outside at uh, Pastor Dwight and Darla's house in London. You can see them or Nicholas and Caitlin. Uh, for directions, that's from 6 to 9 p.m., uh, and that'll be outside where they can social distance and enjoy some hangout time together. So middle school and high school students, they want you to be there. If you'll stand with me all over the room, we're going to read just a few verses out of chapter 13 and then a couple verses out of chapter 14. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible Translation. The Word said, The Lord spoke to Moses. Send men to scout out the land of Canaan that I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the Lord's command. All the men were leaders in Israel. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And the Nephilim were a very tall, large people. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. And we must have seemed the same to them. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then the whole community broke into loud cries. And the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. And the whole community told them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. I'm going to preach to you for a few moments this morning a message that you're probably going to wonder, how did he get that title out of this scripture? But we'll get there in just a moment. I'm going to preach to you a message that I've simply titled, Oh, yes, you can. Amen? Oh, yes, you can. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. For your presence, we've already failed. God, I need you right now, afresh and anew. This is a new service, new people that need to hear your word today. So God, I pray that for the next few moments, you'd remove every hindrance. You would decrease me until I'm nothing, that your Holy Spirit may be increased within me. And God, I pray more than anything that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to truly receive what you are saying to us through your word today. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in advance. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. As we study the scriptures, um, we find that there were some great men of God, great men of God, who fell into the same trap. There was Moses who tried to disqualify himself from the call of God on his life because he had a speech impediment. And he, he didn't speak very clearly, so he tried to disqualify himself from the call of God that was present on his life. Then there was Jeremiah who tried to run from the call of God saying that he was just too young and he wasn't ready for such a great responsibility. Then there was Gideon. Gideon who argued with God that he was the least qualified of anybody to deliver God's people. Then there was the Apostle Paul who referred to himself on multiple occasions as a worm and no man. That's the way he referred to himself, very lowly esteemed about his own Capabilities. They were all truly great men of God, but they all fell into the same trap. They all had different circumstances, they all had different excuses, but they were all saying the same thing. They were all saying, we can't do it. That's what they were saying. But in the text that I read to you today, 
we're not just looking at or listening to the excuses of one man. We're talking about an entire nation in this passage of Scripture. There were ten spies that returned with a negative report. And the negativity of ten people and the unbelief of ten people infected and poisoned the spirits of an entire nation. And as a result, the place, in the place and at the time when they should have broken through, when they should have birthed their promised destiny, in the place and the time when they should have had a breakthrough, they had a breakdown. Will anybody help me preach this morning? When they should have birthed their promised destiny, they had a miscarriage, if you will. Or better yet, in this society that we live in, there's a lot of talk about abortion. Let's put it this way. They aborted the promises of God in a time that they should have been giving birth to what God had promised. So we ask ourselves, what was it that caused this spiritual abortion, this death of a dream, this denial of their destiny? Was it the devil? Everybody knows we blame everything on the devil, right? It, the devil made me do it. Was it the giants who conquered them and, and killed thousands and left them beaten and bloody in the conflict? What exactly was it that had the power to reach into the hearts and into the minds, think about this now, of over one million people in that nation and strip them of their faith and rob them of their destiny. I would present to you this morning that it was four little words. Four words separated them from their promised blessing and stole their destiny. Those words were, we can't do it. We can't do it. See, it's not just the words. It's what is contained in those words. This bottle is a container. Can I tell you today that your words that you speak out of your mouth are a container. You either fill those words with faith and courage and confidence or you fill them with fear and doubt and unbelief. See, when Israel spoke those words, they were excluding God from the equation. Their words were full of unbelief and fear. And their words were void of the God factor. But I came to this house this morning to, if I can, if God will help me, to fill this atmosphere today with the God factor. I came here today to speak some words that are filled with possibility, filled with potential, filled with power, and filled with life because they are filled with faith and they are filled with with God. I need some of you to help me to preach here for just a moment. These words that I'm about to speak to you, I truly believe, can move you from sickness to health, from weakness to strength, from loser to winner, from warrior to worshiper, from stressed to blessed, from fearful to fearless, from lack to abundance, from sorrow, somebody this morning hear me, to joy. From poverty to prosperity and from bondage to freedom. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God right now to open your spirit and to really help your ears to hear what he's saying to you this morning. Because I believe that if you will let these words penetrate your spirit, somebody in this house or hearing this message on live stream will never be the same again. Did you hear me? I believe that this morning. I believe the Lord sent me today to open my mouth and as I was typing my sermon yesterday I typed these words and to prophesy to you his people just as I preached on a few weeks ago as Ezekiel prophesied to those dry bones I believe the Lord sent me here this morning to prophesy to some of you his people and declare this to you this morning I don't care what the enemy has told you oh yes you can somebody give the Lord some praise this morning yes you can yes you can listen I don't care what the critics are saying 
I don't care what the skeptics are saying. I don't care what the economy is saying. I don't care what the doctor is saying. I don't care what religious folks are saying. All I care about is what is God saying? What does God have to say about it? Because I want to tell you something today. All you need is a word from the Lord. Now, let me say this. You don't need a word from me or Pastor Dwight or Pastor Nicholas or Chris Fusen or Sister Karen during Sunday school or better yet, another preacher down the road. Hello, somebody. Or better yet, a televangelist. Somebody help me this morning. Or maybe somebody that holds some kind of prophetic conferences that you can try to run around to. No, no, no. What you need is a word from God. A word from the Lord for you. And let me stop right there and just tell you something this morning. God wants to speak to you about you before he'll ever try to speak to somebody else about you. Did you hear me? What you need is a word from God. Hebrews chapter 11 And verse 3 says this, by faith, say by faith. I want you to process this verse. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that everything we see was made from things that are not even visible. Let that sink in. When God got ready to make this world and this universe that we live in. You know, I preach right where I'm living, so I just had to say it like this. He didn't have to make a hundred trips to Lowe's like I have. Hello, somebody. He didn't have to go to Home Depot and get any materials. He just spoke it, and it came into being. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. Boom, and there was light. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 6. Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters separating water from water. And boom, there was land. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years. And it was so. If you read anything about creation in the book of Genesis, you'll read this. God said it and then God saw it. God said it, and then God saw it. See, I don't know, as I've been preaching these last few weeks, it seems like the Lord keeps redirecting me right back to some type of message of encouragement to somebody. And I believe that that's for a purpose and for His plan. But I've, I've been preaching a lot of encouragement lately. As much as, I, as much as I try to maybe switch and preach on something else, the Lord puts it back in my spirit to preach on encouragement. So I want to tell you something this morning. I don't know what impossible situation you may be facing. It may be financial. It may be sickness in your body. It could be marital problems. It could be an attack against your job or your ministry or or anything else. I don't know what the problem is, but I do know the answer. And the answer is found in your word from God. Did you hear me this morning? One word from God. I'm going to need somebody to help me when I say this. One word from God can drive sickness right out of your body. What did the psalmist say? He said he sent forth his word and healed them. One word from God can drive the sickness out of your body. One word from God can put meal in your barrel and oil in your cruise. One word from God, listen to me, will deliver you and set you free from any drug habit or addiction. Somebody help me preach this morning. One word from God can restore your marriage. One word from God can heal your broken heart. One word from God can put you back together. Regardless of how bad the problem is, all you need is a word from the Lord. See, Peter and his disciples were caught in a storm. They were being tossed by that storm and their lives were being threatened. The waters were rolling over their heads. And then Jesus came to them walking on the sea. The Bible says that Peter saw him 
And he shouted out, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to thee. You know what happened? Jesus spoke one word. That's all he said was one word. He simply said, come. And Peter, with that one word from God, crawled out of that boat and he jumped on the water and he started walking out to Jesus. I want to tell you something this morning. It wasn't that water that held Peter up. Somebody help me. If you don't believe me, you go down to Laurel Lake and try it today. It'll be a little warmer than it was maybe yesterday. But you go down there and you try it if you don't believe me this morning. It wasn't the water that held Peter up. It was the Word from God that held Peter up. It was the Word from God that was the foundation that he was able to walk on. See, when you face troubled waters and seas and storms in your life and you see Jesus right out in the middle of that storm walking on the water... If you'll just make your foundation on His Word, your feet will not fail you. You'll go all the way out to where He is. Even when the enemy says you take one step and you're a goner, God's Word says stand on my Word. The devil says you can't. God says, oh yes, you can. His Word says, oh yes, you can. See, Peter had some friends in the boat. Some of y'all got some friends too. And some of your friends aren't really as good of friends as you think they are. Some of Peter's friends were saying, Peter, you can't walk on that water. Mm -hmm. Job had some friends too. Job had some comforters that came to him. Those friends were saying, Peter, you can't walk on that water. But God's word to Peter said, come on. Oh, yes, you can. The wind and the waves said, you can't walk on the water. But his word said, oh yes, you can. Peter's own mind, maybe this will help somebody this morning, was telling himself, you can't walk on this water. But God's word to Peter was saying, oh yes, you can. The natural law of physics and science said, you can't walk on this water. But God's word says, oh yes, you can. And with one word from God, Peter stepped into the supernatural. I want to tell you something this morning. That's why I'm just crazy enough to believe. And I am that crazy that it does not matter what the law of science and physics says. It does not matter what the law of modern medicine says. Somebody hear me this morning. It does not matter what the finances look like. It doesn't matter what the doctor's report is. You need to turn off all of that negativity and you need to bury yourself in the word of God till you hear that all things are possible to them that believe. With God nothing is impossible. You need to stand on the word of God that says in this world you're going to have tribulation but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. With one word Peter stepped into the supernatural. Peter went where they said he could never go. And he did what they said he could never do. I want to tell some of you today, some of you that are hearing this word, I believe this this morning, are getting ready to step into a realm with God where you've never been. I believe that. And you're getting ready to go places you've never gone before. You're getting ready to see things you've never seen before. And you're getting ready to do things you've never done before. But before you do, you've got to first be willing to make a move. You've got to be willing to get out of the boat. But when somebody steps out of the boat, you're going to blow some skeptics' minds by doing some things they said you'd never do. I talked about Michaela Feltz in the first service this morning. Most of you know her. I probably could pick somebody else in this service and talk about them, but Talked about Michaela Feltz in the first service this morning. When she came to this church two and a half years ago, she was a lesbian addicted to drugs and alcohol. And she had an experience in this altar. And there were people that said, oh, I give it two months. And she'll be right back to the same thing. There were people that said she might 
stop doing what she was doing for a while, but it'll, it'll come back. She'll never overcome it. There were skeptics that said, I give it just a little bit of time. But you know what? Two and a half years later, she was standing here during worship this morning with her hands raised, clapping and praising the God that set her free. You know what? When we planted this church seven and a half years ago, there were people that said with their own mouths, I give it six months. It won't last six months. And when we didn't have an idea. Angie and I didn't have a clue if there'd be seven people or 17 people that would show up for the first service. And there were people that were brazen enough to say to my face, I give it six months before it's over. But I want to tell you something this morning. Seven and a half years later, this is not the only service. This is worship service number two on a Sunday morning. Take a look around you right in the middle of a pandemic. And guess who God, I'm not bragging on us. I'm bragging on God. Guess who God blessed with a building that's going to be one of the largest worship facilities in southeastern Kentucky that's being remodeled right now. God did it. Not us. God did it. All you need is one word from the Lord. See, in the insect world, there's this little creature called the bumblebee. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied this or not, but what's so amazing about this little creature is that it's not supposed to be able to fly. And many years ago, in early science, it was the subject of intense study for many, many years. And for all of the knowledge and wisdom that we already had then and then what we have now, we still can't really figure out how the bumblebee can fly. If you didn't know that, do some research on it. See, scientifically, from its physical structure, it should just topple over onto its head. It's like a lot of us. Its wings are too small and its body's too big. Somebody say amen. It's not supposed to be able to fly. And if the bumblebee could hear all of the studies and all of the theories and all of the scientific discussions and all of the negative words of doubt and disbelief, he would probably just fold his wings and have a nervous breakdown. But the bumblebee can only hear one voice. Shoo, I feel the Lord when I say this. The only voice he hears is the voice of his creator. And that voice is built into his DNA. And it says to him, oh yes, you can. Even though science can't figure it out, oh yes, you can. See, the devil's been telling some of you this morning, you can't take this any longer. You can't bear this any longer. You can't deal with this any longer. This is impossible. There's no use in trying. God's not going to do anything about this. You're out there on your own and you can't deal with this anymore. But I came to tell you something this morning. The voice of your creator says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The voice of your creator says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The voice of your creator says all things. Say all. All things are possible to them that believe. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, we read the story of the Tower of Babel. And there we hear God speaking to a rebellious people. See, their motivation was wrong. What's interesting though is their ingredients were right. Their motivation was wrong, but their ingredients were right. And God said of them that nothing would be restrained from them which they imagined to do. I want to tell you something. And that is that the word can't should not even exist in the vocabulary of the child of God. The word can't should not even exist in the vocabulary of the child of God. See... One of the greatest secrets of the bumblebee's success is this. He never sits around comparing himself with all the other bugs in the kingdom. Let that sink in. He never sits around and says, if I just had wings like the wasp, you know, those big long wings, or if I just had legs like a grasshopper, or he never sits around like we do in our kingdom, and says, if I could just sing like that, if I could just look like that, if my spouse just had that job, hello somebody, or if I just drove that car, somebody help me this morning, or if I 
well, if I just had a little more confidence in myself. He never does that. You know what he does? He just uses what he has. He just uses what he has. You know what comparison is? Comparison is the thief of joy. When you sit around comparing, you're robbing yourself of your own joy. So I believe that God's saying to some of us today, stop comparing yourself with other members of the kingdom. And stop measuring yourself next to somebody else and just use what God gave you. Because what you have is enough. I said what you have is enough. Yeah, you can laugh at the bumblebee and you can say it just looks so big and clumsy. You can say it's too big and its wings are too small and, and fragile. But it's enough. God gave the bumblebee exactly what it needed to fulfill its destiny. I want to tell you something today. I believe God sent me here to tell somebody. God has given you enough. Stop being down on yourself. Stop comparing yourself and just use what God gave you. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there was this little widow woman who thought that she didn't have anything of any value. She thought what she had was worthless. But the prophet said to her, it's enough. Just use it. Just put it to work. Just start pouring, he said. The Bible said that as she poured, it multiplied, and it multiplied, and it multiplied. And here's the good thing about multiplication. The first thing it did was it delivered her from her debt. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then after it delivered her from her debt, she still kept pouring. And after it delivered her from her debt, then it made her prosperous. Somebody say hallelujah, praise the Lord. What I want you to understand is what God has already given you is enough. Look at your neighbor and tell them what you have is enough. Oh, now some of you didn't say it like you believed it. You said it like that was like out of obligation or something. Now look at them and really mean it. Say, what you have is really enough. That's better. That's better. You've got to believe it because you'd be lying in the house of God, right? You've got to believe it. I'm going to share this with you, and then we're going to open the altar here in just a few minutes. When I was a child, I used to dream... Um, let me see if there's any other guys, particularly in the house, or, or ladies, it don't matter. I'd say it's probably more guys than ladies. But I used to dream when I was a kid, like five, six, seven years old, that I could fly. Did anybody ever dream that? Oh, yeah, wasn't that the coolest thing ever? I mean, I used to go to sleep and dream that I could fly. All I had to do was just, you know, like take off like Superman, and away I would go. Then I grew old, and I realized my wings are too small, my body's too big. Somebody say amen. But anyway, it was awesome, and I would dream that I was flying over houses and above treetops and I flew over buildings and cities and I never had been at that age out of the city of Corbin so the city I flew over was Corbin. I didn't know there was bigger cities. But anyway, so I was flying over our little speckle of a town. But anyway, I, I flew so fast sometimes in my dreams it was almost scary and it would seem so real to me that I remember I would just like wake up and just be like just breathing hard and in shock and scared and, and then it was hard to believe that like I was laying in the bed I wasn't actually flying. Like that's how real it seemed. But then it was so disappointing to wake up and discover that my ability to fly was limited to my dreams. I'm going somewhere with this. And I, even one time when I was like, I think I was probably five or six years old. Now, I, I didn't grow up dirt poor, so I don't want to paint you that story, but I definitely did not grow up wealthy. We were, uh, we just kind of scraped by and we did okay. I grew up in a modular home, uh, aka a double wide trailer. Can I get a witness out there, anybody? And so, Anyway, we had a porch on the front of our house, but it was many, many years before we could afford to build a deck on the back of our house. We moved into that house when I was 14 months old, and we still didn't have a deck at this time when I was five or six. So we had the southeastern Kentucky redneck cinder block steps in the back. You just stacked up the cinder blocks to get to the door. Anybody else, anybody else out there relate to that? Yeah, all right, thank you. I didn't think I was the only one. So anyway, that's what we had stacked up, and it was about twice as high as this stage. So imagine about two more steps up, and I was about one-third the height that I am now. And I, I made up my mind one day that my dreams were going to become a reality. 
And I put on, I had a Superman cape. Any guys have a Superman cape? I had a Superman, it was cool. I had a Superman cape. I put on my Superman cape, and and we, uh, that double-wide trailer or modular home, my mama never would let me call it a double-wide trailer. It was a modular home. But anyway, that modular home set up on top of a mountainside, really, and it was, a, it was rocky. Our yard was rocky. We had a lot of grass in the front, and we had grass in the back, but the grass was like 10 or 15 feet from the house in the back. The rest of it was just all rocky. So that's what those, that's what those cinder block steps went down to was the rock. So I got on the... Actually, above the top step, I didn't actually tell this part in 845, I opened the back door to the house and stepped up inside the door and got one step above the highest step, which was already about twice this high, with my Superman cape on. And I promise you, I thought, I'm going to fly. And I went just like this. I went, and my body went, boom. I busted my mouth so bad my tooth came through my top lip. That's the truth. Went to the ER, had stitches, all that. See, y'all was hungry and ready to go to the buffet, but I just fixed that. Amen. <laughs> Got you a few minutes longer, didn't I? But anyway, that's what happened when I thought I was going to fly. I remember I'd go to sleep at night sometimes with all this anticipation that I'd have one of those flying dreams. And many years ago, the Lord spoke to me about that. And uh, it wasn't with this message. It was actually many years ago, and I wanted to bring it up again in this message. I brought it up in a message. I preached on something about flying, basically, with the Lord. But over the years, the Lord began to talk to me about those dreams. And some shared that when I would talk to people about those dreams, some people would share that they experienced the same thing like many of you did this morning. And some people would just laugh and act like I was retarded and ridiculous, right? But one thing that I found was that Anybody who had these same type of dreams all experienced like the same thing that I experienced. Like it felt awesome. Like it felt like you broke through some other kind of dimension. It felt like that uh, you, had, you had all kinds of freedom and liberty and it was just amazing that you were flying like Superman. But I didn't understand it then. But the Lord began to deal with me years later and I began to realize that in those dreams maybe God was trying to get a message into my spirit. And God was trying to communicate to me that as children of God, we were created to live and to function and to move on a higher level than natural man. Let me say that again. As children of God, we are created to move and to function on a higher level than the natural man. See, when we were born again, we weren't just born out of sin, sickness, disease, poverty, and lack. We were born into the kingdom of God. We were born into the realm of the supernatural and the miraculous. We were born into the realm of miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to tell you, the atmosphere of the child of God is the realm of supernatural peace. Not peace that the world gives, but the peace Jesus said that I give. Supernatural joy. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. I can promise you that. Supernatural power, prosperity, wisdom, and manifestations of the power of God. I want to tell you today that the devil is so afraid of what will happen in your life when you take your place in the Spirit. That he will do everything in his power to strip you of your wings. He's so afraid. He wants to keep you confined to the boat. He knows that you can walk on water with Jesus. He knows that you can fly and rise above. He knows that you were created to live and to function in the realm of the miraculous. He just doesn't want you to discover that. He doesn't want you to figure that out. He knows that Jesus has given us power to cast out devils and to heal the sick. He knows that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He knows that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'll stop there and say something right now. Maybe one of the reasons the church world today don't see a lot of miracle signs and wonders is we don't clean house enough. We don't clean house enough. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to preach something right now that I'm probably going to need the people that draw a paycheck on staff to help me because maybe nobody else will. Or the council members to help me because you have to. 
Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, there are some things that you cannot put in you. I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol. I'm not just talking about those things. Because your body is the temple. I don't know what's happened in the church world today, but I see it all over. I see it on, the, on Facebook, mm-hmm. on social media. I don't know what happened to our bodies being the temple of the Holy Ghost. But because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, there are some things you cannot put in your body. There are some places you don't need to take your body. There are some things that you don't need to look at with your eyes. Hello, somebody. Or listen to with your ears because you are carrying precious cargo. It's not okay to say I'm a grown adult and I'll listen to that filth and watch that filth. No, because let me tell you what happens. The Holy Ghost that's supposed to be living in your temple will take His flight when you defile that temple. If you want to experience the fullness of the power of God in your life you need to clean house every now and then and keep the house clean those of you that get a paycheck clap, clap loud ain't that many of you get a paycheck you need to clean house listen if you want a good illustration for that and if you're still sitting there thinking I want to go to the buffet Think about not cleaning the toilets in your house for about two months. I believe sometimes that's what our temple looks like to the Lord that wants to occupy it. We need to clean the temple. The devil also knows that it should be normal for the child of God to experience miracles, signs, and wonders in our lives. That should be normal. I don't believe now in running around and following after miracles, signs, and wonders. But I do believe what the Word says. Miracles, signs, and wonders should follow those of us that believe. It ought to be the normal. So, I'm going to close here in just a minute. The majority of God's people are stuck in the boat. Here's what the boat represents. I almost tried to get me a John boat to put up here this morning. But here's what the boat represents. The boat represents the familiar The comfortable, the normal, the predicted, the expected, or the natural. The boat also represents, listen to me, religion and tradition. What keeps people in the boat? I believe there's two things that keep people in the boat very quickly. One of them that holds people in the boat is pride. Pride. Being proud. Pride is a killer. Pride is a thief. Pride is a deceiver. And pride is an enemy to the power of God. I didn't give them these scriptures, but I'm going to read them very quickly. Psalm 138 and 6. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If you're full of pride, he's keeping his distance. That's what the Word says. Proverbs 15 and 25. The Lord tears apart the house of the proud, but he protects the widow's territory. Proverbs 16 and 5. Everyone with a proud heart is detestable to the Lord. I believe that pride has robbed multitudes of people from their miracles, stolen their destiny, and it's easy to blame the devil for missing your blessing. But the truth is, more than we want to admit it, it's pride that keeps us from stepping out and stepping in with the Lord. It's pride. we got to overcome the pride. The second thing is fear. Fear. Fear of what people might say. Fear of making a mistake. Fear of failure. And fear of the unknown. See, in order to move in the supernatural, you've got to be willing to step into the unknown. The Bible says that Abraham obeyed God. And here's what it said. It said, and he went out not knowing whither he went. That means he obeyed God and he went out to follow the Lord not having a clue where he was going. Joshua said, you must follow the ark that you may know which way to go, for you have not passed this way before. In order to walk in the supernatural, you got to get out of the boat. you got to take hold of the power of God. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and you got to let go of yourself. you got to let go of religion. I would to God the church would let go of religion. You've got to let go of tradition. I wish to the Lord that the church would let go of tradition. You've got to let go of the past, let go of pride, let go of fear, and let go of self-preservation. Peter had to get out of the boat 
to walk on water. Listen, they'll come to the music this morning. Or this afternoon now. If you're going to walk on the water, one thing I know, you've got to be willing to get wet. If you want to walk on the water, you have to be willing to get wet. I'm not saying this to throw Shelbo under the bus because he's one of the best kids, honestly, not because he's mine. He's one of the best kids that ever lived. But sometimes in this renovation thing that we're doing, I often wonder if he wears his good clothes up to that house on purpose. Because he says, I can't get these clothes dirty. I wonder if he's doing it on purpose to not have to. But, you know, anyway, you got to be willing, if you're going to get out of the boat, walk on the water got to be willing to get wet. What are you saying, Pastor? You got to be willing to take a risk. You got to be willing to look crazy. Now, I'm going to share this, and I promise this is the last thing I'll share before I close. I'll share it at 845. I hope the Lord anoints me now like He did then. But when I first, I was not raised Pentecostal. So when I first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I really had a zeal. Bible speaks of a zeal not according to knowledge. I had that zeal. I was the one that would shout at the drop of a hat and would drop my own hat. I mean, it didn't take anything. But there were, there were some good elders that loved on me and worked with me and supported me. And, and I began to learn what the Bible says. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And I learned a lot of things. And, but then I also, when the Lord called me to preach several years later, I thought, okay, I'm going to prove to the world that Pentecost is not ignorant. And first of all, let me say, Pentecost is not ignorant. Some people think it is, but it's not ignorant. But I thought I was going to show people myself that Pentecost was not ignorant. So I was going to pray for the anointing, but I was going to have, you know, a dignified anointing. And I wasn't ever going to do anything that embarrassed myself or that looked weird or that looked wild or that looked crazy. That was early on when I first got called to preach. Didn't take very long at all, just a couple years. And I was studying one day, preparing a message. And I began to study about this and I thought, and I want you to think about this yourself this morning. Because I believe our 11 o'clock crowd, that's you, a lot of you didn't come from Pentecost. And that's, that's, that's okay, that's great, it's a wonderful thing. So I think this is really going to help some people that maybe that I'm about to speak to this morning or even those watching online. But think about this. Moses had to look pretty crazy when he took that staff and he struck that rock and believed that when he hit it, water was going to come out of it. That had to look pretty crazy. Like if I was standing up here holding a rock saying, watch this, guys, I'm going to strike this thing and water's going to shoot that way. Y'all be like, well, he's done lost his mind. Had to look crazy. Then I thought about the children of Israel. What did they look like as they marched around Jericho? They had to march seven times before anything happened. So I think everybody probably thought it was quite foolish the first time. But I believe probably after about time number six, everybody was thinking, wow, them people down there done lost their minds. But guess what? It worked. When Moses struck that rock, a spring came forth. It worked. Might have looked crazy, but it worked. When the children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho, everybody could say what they wanted the first six times, but after time number seven, it worked. And those walls came tumbling down. I believe that Elijah probably looked crazy up on Mount Carmel when he was challenging those 850 false prophets, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. Groves. He probably looked crazy when he said, here's what we're going to do, boys. We're going to build this altar of wood, and then we're going to lay this animal sacrifice on it, and then we're going to pour 12 buckets of water all around this altar and dig a ditch around it and let the water run off and fill up the ditch, and then we're going to ask God to answer by fire and consume the sacrifice. People probably looked at him and thought, he has lost his ever-loving mind, but guess what? It worked. 
What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying no doubt Elisha might have looked crazy when one of his student prophets, because Elisha was a teaching prophet, when one of his student prophets lost this borrowed axe head in the water, and Elisha cut down just a stick, just a twig, and he threw it in the water where the axe head sank, and, and he said, it's going to float to the surface. And people thought, he's lost his mind. You know what an axe head weighs and what a stick weighs? Sure enough, he threw that stick in. That axe head floated up to the surface. That young prophet grabbed that axe head and took it, and he went back to work. It might have looked crazy, but it worked. Does anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? And Peter looked like a crazy man when he lost his mind and stepped out of that boat onto that water. The point of what I'm trying to make is this. We're never going to live like Jesus until we learn to think like Jesus. We're never going to experience miracles and signs and wonders until we trust the God of miracles, signs and wonders. We're never going to be able to experience what we could experience until we lose our minds so that we can get the mind of Christ. See, the we give a lot of credit to those disciples that day, to Jesus for saving those disciples that day. But I just want to remind you something. It was crazy Peter that got Jesus' attention. It was Peter. Had Peter not said, Lord, if that's you, I'm coming out there. Had Peter not said that, nothing would have happened. And it was crazy Peter who got out of the boat and began to walk on water. The truth was it was crazy Peter who saved those disciples' life. One man crazy faith with one word from God who made up his mind that he'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter. Did you hear me? He'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter. See, I believe that's what's wrong with some of the church world today. We're filled up a lot of places, but we're full of dry boat sitters. When what we need is a bunch of wet water walkers. A bunch of people that will say, I don't care how crazy it looks. I don't care how crazy it sounds. And I came to serve notice on the devil this morning. I don't care how crazy you think Pentecost is. I don't care how foolish you think I may be. But I want the power of God in my life. So if it looks foolish to you so be it last thing there was David the Bible says when they took that ark back that David obeyed the divine order and he had a blessing of God on his life because he was bringing the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem and the Bible said that he danced with all of his might he danced like a crazy man he danced like he'd lost his mind. Now, I've listened to a lot of preachers preach this over the years and butcher it. I want to tell you something right now. I do not believe for one second that David danced in his birthday suit. You can believe that if you want to. I don't believe that. I believe what he did was he danced out of his kingly garment. His little wife, Michal, as they called her, that name even sounds like she's high and mighty, don't it? Highfalutin. She was embarrassed of David because he danced out of that Kingsley garment. She was embarrassed. Oh, I'm preaching and you don't even get it right now. She was embarrassed of the fact that he laid down all of his dignity and just began to dance before the Lord with all of his might. She was embarrassed that he took off that, that robe that made him look like he was above everybody else and put him down on the same plain level with just all the common folks. And he began to dance and worship the Lord. It embarrassed her because he took off that Kingsley garment. I want to tell you what we need in the church today. We need some people who don't care if it embarrasses somebody or not. We need some people who are desperate enough to say, God, I want you to move. I need you to move in my life. So I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. It may look crazy to some. It may sound crazy to people. But I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to praise you even when it doesn't seem like I should be. That's what we need in the church. I believe Go ahead and start playing that. I believe that hell is on high alert right now. That's what I believe. I believe that the devil is shaking in his boots right now. Because he's looking at you right now and he knows that somebody is getting desperate. Somebody's 
getting ready to fly. Somebody's getting ready to jump out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. But here's what I'm trying to tell you today is this. If you're going to fly, you're going to have to get out of the boat. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to walk on water, you're going to have to get out of the boat. If you're going to fly, you're going to have to trust God. But you, you got to know something right now. When you do, somebody is inevitably going to call you crazy. Somebody's going to say they've done lost their mind. But it doesn't matter what people say. What you were created to do is to worship the Lord. You were created to place your trust in Him. You were created to seek Him with all of your heart with all of your mind with all of your soul and with all of your strength listen Peter lived life with the testimony I walked on the water with Jesus but the disciples lived their life with another testimony I watched Peter walk on the water with Jesus I want you to stand to your feet all over this house right now do you want the testimony you walked on the water with Jesus you flew high above with him or do you want the testimony that you watched somebody else do it they're going to sing here in just a moment and I'm looking for just a few people in this place actually I'm looking for a lot but I'll take just a few that are just willing whatever your situation whatever your circumstance whatever your problem is right now that you're willing to just trust God with it and say God I believe that you're trying to tell me today oh yes I can it may seem foolish to people but God I'm going to have to lift my hands in praise right now it may seem strange to some but I may have to tell my neighbor excuse me just a moment I'm going to have to dance before the Lord this morning it may look crazy to some I'm looking for some people who've got some crazy faith who will say God I need you to move in my life because I want to tell you something when you get desperate enough. I said when you get desperate enough, you won't be worried about your reputation. You won't be worried about what other people think. When you need to get a hold of God for yourself, you'll be saying, God, I know you can do it. God, I know you can do it. So that's what I'm looking for right now.